This is Kyle Brown with the Superintendent Radio Network. I'm here today with Larry Leonard from Aquatrols again, uh, and, and we are here doing a part two to our previous talk about assessing turfgrass salinity and, and salinity issues in the soil and uh, why that's important to superintendents. So uh, it's great to have you back, Larry. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Cal. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And I am really excited to be talking about this again, especially because, you know, this is a really important issue and we didn't get to cover everything. So just to make sure that we get there, uh, I'm going to shut up and get things going. Uh, we got a lot of information to cover. So, But during our last conversation, you, you explained why it's important to test the quality of irrigation water used on turf grass. You talked about how the, uh, the main water quality problems to look for were, just to go back over from the last episode, we did um, excessive salinity excessive sodium, and uh, high levels of boron. We talked about then that, you know, even if the uh, results are high, it might not be a problem, but what should superintendents do if the test results indicate their irrigation water has one or more of these problems? As we discussed last time, testing irrigation water quality is a good thing to do, and I recommend that all turf grass managers test their irrigation water quality because everything that's in your irrigation water will end up in the soil. However, irrigation water quality test results only indicate the potential for salts, sodium, and boron in irrigation water to build up in the soil to levels that are high enough to cause problems with turf grass quality and health. Irrigation water quality issues do not always result in problems in the soil, especially in non-arid regions with higher precipitation rates and well-drained soils. That happens because there's natural leaching of salts past the root zone from significant rain events, and that prevents these salts, sodium, and boron in the irrigation water from accumulating in the soil. So even if an irrigation water quality test report indicates that you have high levels of salinity or sodium or boron, you really should test the soil for these factors to verify if you really have a problem in the soil or not. Well, okay, that makes sense. You definitely want to verify uh, what you're seeing in those results. Let's start with salinity. You know, how do you test the soil for excessive salinity and what level do we have to watch out for? What, what will actually cause a problem in the turf? That's a great question. I'd like to start by reviewing the problem first. The main concern with excessive salinity in the soil is it can cause a water uptake problem for turf grasses. Anytime the concentration of salts in the soil solution outside of the root increases, the tendency of water to move into the roots decreases. And if the salinity level in the soil gets too high, it can actually reduce water uptake to the point that the turf grass plant starts to experience moisture stress, even when the soil is not dry enough to normally cause moisture stress. We often refer to this as physiological drought or wet wilt. The most common way to measure soil salinity is to send in a soil sample to a, a testing lab, and you want to request that they do a saturated paste extract test. This is a special test that they normally don't do. And uh, one of the test results from a saturated paste extract test is a measure of the electrical conductivity of an extract solution that the lab will add to the soil. Now, dissolved salts in water help conduct electricity better. So the higher the electrical conductivity of that extract solution, the higher the salinity level is in the soil. So the electrical conductivity of the extract is a way to measure that salinity. Uh, it's often abbreviated as capital E, capital C for electrical conductivity. And then there's a small letter E for the extract the lab used. So you want to look for ECE on a soil a test report. 
turfgrass species will vary greatly in their tolerance to soil salinity levels too. And the ECE levels that may be problematic can vary quite a bit. Uh, for example, annual bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass, rough bluegrass, and colonial bentgrass are all very sensitive to soil salinity. And ECE values of three decisiemens per meter and sometimes even less can cause salt stress. Uh, annual ryegrass, creeping bentgrass, finely fescues, and buffalo grass are moderately sensitive. So you need to be concerned with ECE values between three and six decisiemens for those species. Perennial ryegrass, tall fescue, and zoysia grass are moderately tolerant to soil salinity. So it takes higher EC values to cause a problem, usually around six to 10 decisiemens per meter. And alkali grass, Bermuda grass, St. Augustine grass, and seashore paspalum are all fairly tolerant to soil salinity. And all of these species can handle ECE values of 10 decisiemens or more. And seashore paspalum is the most salt tolerant turfgrass species uh, of all. What are some of the management practices that a superintendent can use if uh, salinity levels in the soil are higher than that particular tolerance level? Yeah, there's really only one way to reduce salinity levels in the soil, and that's to apply excess irrigation water to move the salts below the root zone. Uh, this is commonly referred to as leaching, or sometimes it's called flushing. And there's two main leaching techniques. The first one is called maintenance leaching, where a little bit more water than the turf grass needs is applied with each irrigation event to keep soluble salts from building up in the soil. The second leaching technique is called reclamation leaching. And this is used when salinity levels in the soil have already exceeded the tolerance level for the turf grass species that's being grown. Reclamation leaching is the type of leaching that superintendents often refer to as flushing. Well, so what about sodium? Uh, you know, what kind of soil tests do you use to assess sodium in the soil? And, and where do we see uh, problems with those levels for turf? Yeah, really the best and the easiest way to assess the sodium status of the soil is to find the exchangeable sodium percentage, or ESP, uh, on a soil test report. Now, the exchangeable sodium percentage tells you what percentage of the cation exchange sites in the soil are holding sodium cations. Most soil test reports don't directly report exchangeable sodium percentage as a separate line atom, so you'll have to look through the report a little bit to find it. It's usually found in the base saturation section or the cation exchange section of a soil test report. And anytime the exchangeable sodium percentage is 10% or higher in a fine textured soil, uh, that, that's a reason to be concerned. Okay, so you know what management practices do we apply there to, uh, to reduce excessive sodium? Yeah, just to review the problem with sodium too is excessive levels of sodium in the soil and, and having too many so, uh, sodium cations can cause deflocculation or a loss of soil structure in fine textured soils that contain a lot of salt or clay particles. And loss of soil structure decreases pore size, which significantly reduces the permeability of soils. So water doesn't drain well, it puddles on the surface, and the soils become anaerobic with low oxygen levels. So the only way to reduce sodium levels in the soil really is the same method that we talked about to reduce the levels of other salts in the soil, and that's by leaching. But since sodium is a cation, most sodium is held on these cation exchange sites in the soil. So first we need to do something to get the sodium cations off of the cation exchange sites and into the soil solution so we can leach them out of the root zone. Uh, calcium cations cannot 
sodium cations off of cation exchange sites. And the most commonly available and the most economical source of calcium cations is calcium sulfate or gypsum. That's mm -hmm. why most sodium management programs involve gypsum applications followed by leaching. And the amount of gypsum to use depends on the soil texture and the amount of sodium in the soil. That's usually measured as the sodium exchangeable sodium percentage that we discussed uh, just previously. Boron, then, uh, you know, as our last of the three, you know, what levels, what levels do we have to watch out for, and where does it really start to cause problems for our turf? Boron levels in the soil should be monitored if irrigation water contains boron more than a few parts per million. If boron levels in the soil as low as two to four parts per million can cause toxicity in, in some turfgrass species. Kentucky bluegrass is probably the most sensitive species to boron. But fortunately, you know, boron toxicity, is, it's pretty rare, and it usually doesn't kill turf grass, so really it's, it's not a major concern. So are there any other soil problems that superintendents should be looking for related to uh, irrigation water quality? You know, like we discussed in the previous uh, conversation, bicarbonate in irrigation water, it's really kind of a wild card. Uh, we know for sure that high bicarbonate levels in irrigation water will make sodium problems in the soil worse because bicarbonate anions will react with calcium cations and it will precipitate out in the soil as calcium carbonate. This is a problem because it robs the soil of calcium cations that are needed to knock sodium cations off the exchange sites. Um, so it makes it harder for us to leach sodium uh, cations out of soils that are affected by excessive levels of sodium. It's kind of interesting that high bicarbonate levels in irrigation water have also been reported to sometimes cause problems in the soil that aren't necessarily high in sodium. In these cases, the problems associated with high bicarbonate in the irrigation water usually only occur after extended dry periods or true droughts, and the main symptom seems to be reduced infiltration rates or less soil permeability. Now, it's theorized that this reduction in permeability or infiltration rates caused by a layer of calcium carbonate forming in the soil and interfering with water movement. Now this problem doesn't occur in any kind of a predictable manner. It doesn't happen on any kind of a regular basis, but it's probably prudent for turfgrass managers irrigating with high bicarbonate water to at least monitor infiltration rates of their soils and soil permeability during extended dry weather or true droughts if they're irrigating with, with high bicarbonate water. You know, we, we've covered so much information in a short period of time today, and I know there's so much more to talk about, too, in terms of, you know, salinity in the soil. I'm glad we were able to talk about it here, but, you know, if, if this has just kind of piqued the interest of a, of a superintendent who wants to know more, where can they go to find out more? Yeah, we really did the Cliff Notes version of this, of this topic today, <laughs> Kyle, so I, we don't want to overwhelm people with too much detail, but... For anyone who's interested in getting more specific information on any of the things that we talked about today, I'd refer people to the Aquatrol's Guide to Assessing and Managing Turfgrass Salinity Issues in Irrigation, Water, and Soils. Uh, that guide contains a lot more detailed information about all the things that we talked about today, including uh, equations for maintenance and reclamation leaching. It also has tables listing salinity tolerances for the different turfgrass species we discussed. And you can even find gypsum application uh, rates for sodium management. There's even references in the guide to several of the textbooks that have been written covering you know, these issues in even more detail. Uh, that guide is available for free on our website, www.aquatrols.com. 
You can also receive a copy by emailing info at aquatrolls.com with your name and your contact information. Great. Like last time, I'll also make sure to have a link to it in our show notes. So if you're watching this online or checking us out on the website, you should be able to click through to, uh, to get directly to that guide as well. You know, I'm looking forward to talking more about this in the future, too. But for today, I, I do really appreciate you running through all these quickly for us. Thank you so much for your help. Thank you, Kyle, and thank you to all the listeners.